sides and wasted places, the wormwood braces itself against wind. Remain strong, please. There is a fierce poison. Here, the water will be polluted. The drink held in your hand, down fast with eyes closed, resting on the passage in the Bible. And the third part of the waters became wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. Such is the way of real exterminates. Ridding people of the pests found within, the deaths of souls, the flowers that die, in the ruins of such allowances. We all try to fight, severe bludgeoning, from these killers, such foul, foul addictions. I love you, Wormwood, so misunderstood, defiant, dear life, near death, it suits you. The sanctuary, so clear is the symbol, here, the water will be polluted, the drink held in your hand. Down fast with eyes closed, resting on the passage in the Bible. Timothy Geiger, Ode to Wormwood Lena pauses at the threshold of the lighthouse. In the script, from the top of the lighthouse we watch Lena approach. Below, at its base, its door hangs open, swinging in the sea breeze, knocking gently against its frame. But the door is not visible from this direction, and we are not given an angle that suggests that someone is watching. Notably, Lena now moves right to left to enter the lighthouse. Her venture across the beach, even most if not all of the walking through the woods within the shimmer before, has been toward the right. Egizi, Denny, Neuendorf, Skowski, and Campbell, Cleveland State University School of Communication, 2012, performed a study of an assumed rule in filmmaking, that lateral movement of a character from left to right was seen in a more positive light, than lateral movement from right to left. They explain, quote, A rule that is rarely written or spoken about claims that character movement from the left of the screen toward the right of the screen is perceived by the audience as normal or natural. The opposite is thought to be true of character movement from the right side of the frame to the left. Lateral movement in the leftward direction is perceived as unnatural or even uncomfortable, or perhaps even that a person moving in that direction is struggling. End quote. Regardless of this rule, Lena has reversed direction, and will reverse back once she is inside the lighthouse. For the threshold itself, she is effectively going backward. Whether this is a mistake on the part of Garland, directing only his second feature, a sign of Lena's momentary struggle into what might be the last unknown of her life, or some deeper signal that the shimmer itself is shifting backward into some primordial state, this is a momentary pause, and not a comfortable one. Crystalline trees in the distance... Some fractal root vine growth just barely noticeable on the wall to the left.
When the third angel blew his trumpet, a large star fell from the sky. The star was called Wormwood. Lena steals herself and moves forward, opening the door out of sight within the doorframe. Second eight, we cut back to Angle on the lighthouse over the makeshift graveyard. 
the row of arms and legs, the row of skulls, the row of inverted torsos, camera dollying forward. Ladder rungs are about an eighth of the way to the right around the lighthouse from the door, climbing to a railed ledge. Some of the colorful moss-like growths we've seen on other buildings within the shimmer are on either side of the ladder. The left side of the lighthouse is more unusual. More and larger root vine growths radiate out from a hole in the structure of the lighthouse. They remain roughly the same off-white color of the lighthouse wall, as if this is the lighthouse itself mutating and overgrowing. The door closes. Beat. Second 14, we are inside. Lena stands just inside the door, rifle in both hands. A staircase rises up to the right, overgrown by the same vine root growths we saw outside. Lena turns and looks that direction. She lowers her rifle to just her right hand again. Whatever she expected, she has not found it. No ambush, no immediate danger. In Vandermeer's novel, the biologist enters the lighthouse and must make her way up. Quote, the stairs awaited, and to quell my rising nausea, I headed back to them and began to climb. I had put my gun away by then, since I needed that hand for balance, but I wished I had the surveyor's assault rifle. I would have felt safer. It was a strange ascent, in contrast to my descents into the tower. The brackish quality of the light against those graying interior walls was better than the phosphorescence of the tower, but what I found on these walls unnerved me just as much, if in a different way. More blood stains mostly thick smudges as if several people had bled out while trying to escape attackers from below. Sometimes dribbles of blood, sometimes a spray. Words had been written on these walls, but nothing like the words in the tower. More initials, but also little obscene pictures, and a few phrases of a more personal nature. Some longer hints of what might have transpired. Four boxes of foodstuffs, three boxes of medical supplies, and drinking water for five days if rationed. Enough bullets for all of us, if necessary. Confessions, too which I won't document here, but that had the sincerity and weight of having been written immediately before or during moments when the individuals must have thought death was upon them. So many needing so much to communicate what amounted to so little. Things found on the stairs. A discarded shoe. A magazine from an automatic pistol. A few moldy vials of samples long rotted or turned to rancid liquid. A crucifix that looked like it had been dislodged from the wall. A clipboard, the wooden part soggy and the metal part deep orange-red from rust. And worst of all, a dilapidated toy rabbit with ragged ears. Perhaps a good luck symbol smuggled in on an expedition. There had been no children in Area X since the border had come down, as far as I knew. At roughly the halfway point I came to a landing, which must have been where I had first seen the flicker of light the night before. The silence still dominated, and I had heard no hint of movement above me. The light was better because of the windows to left and right. Here the blood spatter abruptly cut off, although bullet holes riddled the walls. Bullet casings littered the floor, but someone had taken the time to sweep them off to the sides, leaving the path to the stairs above clear. To the left lay a stack of guns and rifles, some of them ancient, some of them not army issue. It was hard to tell if anyone had been at them recently. Otherwise there was just the dust and the mold, and a tiny square window looking down on the beach and the reeds. Opposite it, a faded photograph in a broken frame, dangling from a nail, the smudged glass was cracked and half-covered in specks of green mold. The black-and-white photograph showed two men standing at the base of the lighthouse with a girl off to the side. A circle had been drawn with a marker around one of the men. He looked about 50 years old and wore a fisherman's cap. A sharp eagle's eye gleamed out from a heavy face, the left eye lost to his squint. A thick beard hid all but a hint of a firm chin under it. He didn't smile, but he didn't frown either. I'd had experience enough with lighthouse keepers to know one when I saw one. 
but there was also some quality to him, perhaps just because of the strange way the dust framed his face that made me think of him as the lighthouse keeper. Or perhaps I'd already spent too much time in that place, and my mind was seeking any answer, even to simple questions. The rounded bulk of the lighthouse behind the three was bright and sharp, the door on the far right in good repair. Nothing like what I had encountered, and I wondered when the photo had been taken. How many years between the photograph and the start of it all? How many years had the lighthouse keeper kept to his schedule and his rituals, lived in that community, gone to the local bar or pub? Perhaps he'd had a wife. Perhaps the girl in the photo was his daughter. Perhaps he'd been a popular man, or solitary, or a little of both. Regardless, none of it mattered in the end. I stared at him from across the years, trying to tell from the moldy photograph, from the line of his jaw and the reflection of light in his eyes, how he might have reacted, what his last hours might have been like. Perhaps he'd left in time, but probably not. Perhaps he was even moldering on the ground floor in a forgotten corner. Or, and I experienced a sudden shudder, maybe he was waiting for me above, at the top, in some form. I took the photograph out of its frame, shoved it in my pocket. The lighthouse keeper would come with me, although he hardly counted as a good luck charm. As I left the landing, I had the peculiar thought that I was not the first to pocket the photo, that someone would always come behind to replace it, to circle the lighthouse keeper again. End quote. From the script. Interior, lighthouse, day. Lena enters the base of the lighthouse. Light filters down from the window 30 meters above. It illuminates a round room with some specific features. A wooden staircase winds up the circular wall to the top of the structure. Abandoned on the floor, there is some military gear. A backpack surrounded by canister-shaped grenades and a rifle. Opposite where Lena enters, there is a tunnel in the floor, about two meters in diameter. At its entrance, the wooden boards have been pulled up and laid out as a kind of ramp structure leading downwards. Inside the tunnel, something glows the soft blue-green light of phosphorescence. But we do not yet see the discarded gear. We do not see the tunnel, and there will be no ramp structure built up to it when we do, and no glow. Camera dollies backward as Lena's attention turns to something behind camera. She moves forward toward camera. We see more of the root vine structures overgrowing the stairs, and the light just out of frame coming in through the hole from outside. Reverse, second 26, and Lena is framed between two darknesses. At left edge of frame, burn marks in a shape we cannot identify yet, near that discarded military gear that is mostly obscured from view by Lena herself at the moment. To the right, a second hole going down into the base of the lighthouse. More root vine structures radiate out from this hole. The light coming through the other hole, just above and to the right of this second hole. Lena steps forward and slows, looking back over her left shoulder as she moves into this light. She realizes, as we should, these two holes mark the trajectory of whatever struck the lighthouse three years ago. She stops, turns her body as well, and we cut second 30 to the previous angle, a little higher now, still moving backward, rising, rotating, to reveal more of the stairs and the exterior hole in the lighthouse, as well as more of those burn marks beneath the staircase. Lena, framed in the light from outside, turns her attention back toward the lower hole. Camera trucks left now, passing into the light, and revealing more of the burn marks to the right, even as Lena turns her attention there. Just as we might realize we are seeing the remains of a person at the center of those burn marks, head and shoulders at least from this angle, we cut back to the reverse angle, second 40. A charred corpse sitting cross-legged, its arms hugging something to its torso, surrounded by white and then black burn marks. Reminiscent of Tik Kwong Duk, 11th June 1963 perhaps, 
identifiable as a willing sacrifice even before we see the video to come. Lena stares at it, takes slow steps toward it. Camera follows. The heap of abandoned military gear is both more noticeable now and less identifiable, overgrown by the same root vine structures that radiate from the two holes. Lena stops a few feet short of the body and leans to the right, trying to identify what the body is holding, presumably. Camera pulls back to reveal a camcorder on a stand pointed in the direction of Lena and the body. Lena turns back, sees the camcorder from the script. Finally, in the middle of the room there is a video camera on a tripod. The camera faces a long, black scorch mark, rising up the curved wall from a blackened heap on the ground. The nature of the heap is unclear. It's charred and fused beyond all recognition. Lena takes this all in, her gaze finally settling on the camera. In the film, the blackened heap is obviously a person. Camera continues to pull back and timers out for this minute. We spoke. What was it we said? Wordlessly watching, he waits by the window and wonders at the empty place inside. Annihilation.